0: Not too long ago, I came upon a a commencement address that Anne Lamott gave. She gave it uh, to a graduating class at Berkeley, University of California. But she's looking back on her life, uh, trying to impart words of wisdom to this graduating class. And this is what she says. She says, all my life, I've worked to be a successful author. That's what's driven me. But when that success finally came, I was like a greyhound catching a mechanical rabbit. Discovering that this thing I had been chasing was just a piece of metal wrapped in cloth. It wasn't alive. It had no spirit. It was fake. And fake doesn't feed anything. And then she says, only spirit feeds spirits. What I truly needed was God and the life that he brings. Now, as I was uh, reflecting on our gospel passage for today, I was reminded of this speech because I think these words describe Nicodemus. He's been chasing a mechanical rabbit. Nicodemus, we're told, is a Pharisee, so he's a very religious man. He takes the practice of his faith very seriously. We're also told that he's a leader of the Jews, so he's a very important figure in society. He's a mover and shaker. And yet, what we're told is that he travels by night, so he travels secretly to visit this young rabbi named Jesus. And why does he go to Jesus? Well, it's because Jesus has something he wants. This life that he's been living, he's not content with it. He needs spirit. He needs the life that God gives. And he thinks that this Jesus can give it to him. So he comes to Jesus, again, secretly uh, at night, and he says to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs. In the NIV it says miraculous signs. No one can do these miraculous signs that you do apart from the presence of God. So Nicodemus is saying to Jesus, I've been watching you. I've been keeping my eye on you. And what I see is God working through you. I see that you have this spirit in this life that I desperately want. Now, what's fascinating is Jesus' response to this. I mean, if you come up to me after the service and say, Colin, I've been watching you, I think you're a teacher sent by God. I would probably say, thank you. And I'd probably feel good about myself. But that's not what Jesus says. Now, Jesus says, Nicodemus, listen up. I'm going I'm to talk to you man to man. I know what you want, this life, this spirit, so I'm going to cut right to the chase with you. No one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. That's his response. No one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. So first of all, this this phrase, kingdom of God, uh, in John's gospel, this is the only place that you find this phrase used. John uh, tends to use the phrase eternal life. Um, And that's because for John, these things mean the same thing, right? To be part of the kingdom of God is to experience eternal life. Life in the kingdom of God is life with God. So the kingdom of God is life with God. In Jesus, he talks about seeing this life. No one can see the kingdom of God. No one can see this life of God. Uh, This business of seeing, it's, of course, not just about looking, not just about the eyes. Uh, Later, Jesus talks about entering the kingdom of God. So what he's talking about is experiencing the kingdom, experiencing this life, to enter it, to participate in it. So again, Jesus says to Nicodemus, no one can share in the life of God, this life that you're seeking, Nicodemus. No one can share in it without being born from above. This phrase, born from above, um, uh, when we hear the word born, uh, we might think, and this is how I tend to think about it, uh, of, of the delivery of a child, right? A child is born. But the actual word in Greek is really something more like begotten. And so the word has more to do with conception, the conception of a child, than the actual moment of birth. So Jesus, he is not he is not saying to Nicodemus, you need to go back and be reborn in the sense that you need to go back and live your life over again because you've messed it up the first time. No, what he's saying is something much more radical. He's saying that if you want to be part of God's life, you need to be conceived again. You need to be remade. Someone I read made the point that often the remedy of a situation it can tell you better than anything else at times about the situation you're facing. So an example, let's say you go to the doctor with an infection on your foot. And the doctor looks at it, he runs some tests, he comes back and he says, we're going to have to amputate. Now, at that point, you have no idea what's going on with your foot. But you know it's pretty serious. And that's what's happening here. Jesus doesn't say to Nicodemus, you want this, you want this life? Well, you're going to have to clean yourself up a little bit. You're going to have to say your prayers every day. You need to get better at, at reading your Bible. You need to do more volunteer work. No, it, it is, again, much more radical. Nicodemus, to get what you want, You have to be remade. Now, when Nicodemus hears this, he's naturally confused. He's probably a little disheartened, doesn't know how to do this. And so that's the question he asks. How is this possible? How can one be remade? And then Jesus answers him, and and it's a a rather long answer. He says a lot of things. Uh, but but he Jesus wraps up his answer uh, by by saying this this one thing which I want to unpack for us or try to this morning because what I think is there's an invitation an instruction but also invitation for us. It's at the end. Jesus says to Nicodemus, "Just as Moses." Lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. That's how he kind of wraps up his answer to Nicodemus. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So what's he he's saying there? Well, well, Nicodemus, a Jewish teacher, he would have gotten the reference. Right? Jesus is referring to a story that we're, we're also probably familiar with. It's from the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. It's a story in which the Jewish people, they have left Egypt. They're in the wilderness, and they are rebelling against God. And so God responds to their rebellion By sending serpents, poisonous snakes, to bite them. And they do bite them, and many people die. And the people turn back to God, and they start complaining. And what God tells Moses to do, to to solve or to fix the situation, is he says, Moses, what I want you to do is I want you to make a bronze serpent a replica of these serpents that are biting people. And I want you to make this bronze replica image and put it on a pole so that those who look on the bronze image of the serpent, they will be cured. And so Moses does this. Makes this pole with a bronze serpent on it and the people look at it and they're saved. Now what... Now, what's going on here? Why would looking on your trouble or looking on an image of your trouble, why would that save you or cure you? I think probably the best way to think about this is to think about uh, psychotherapy or or psychoanalysis. Most of us understand that a lot of our problems, not all of our problems, but a lot of our problems, they're the result of, of... Repression or, or suppression our, our deep emotional struggles that we walk around with. They're often from feelings or experiences that we have suppressed. We have walled off inside of ourselves. And so what you do in therapy is you slowly bring these things to the surface. You, you bring them into the light. And what you find that as as you talk about these things, as you process them, as you look at them, you begin to be healed. Maybe it was an abusive relationship or or a a troubling experience. But as you begin to look at it and reflect on it, it has a curative effect. It, It loses its power as you look upon it. That, I think, is a good analogy here. Not a perfect analogy, but a good one. So, so thinking of that, let's look at Jesus' words again. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Now, now, when Jesus says, He says, lifted up, the Son of Man is lifted up, He's talking about the cross. That, that's how Jesus refers to His crucifixion. He will be lifted up. So, Jesus is saying that when we look upon the image of the cross, of Him crucified, it will bring us into this life, it will change us, it will recreate us. So so thinking about that and going back to that analogy about psychotherapy, when we look at Jesus on the cross, what do we see? Well, we we see our sin. That's what we see. We see our sin. In one of the earliest sermons, Peter says to the crowd, he says, the author of life came and you killed him. Think about that. Right, God comes into the world, and what do we do as a people? We kill Him. Right? That's what, lo- that's what the world does to perfect love. Perfect love coming into the world. The world responds by killing it. And therefore, the cross, at its most basic level, it reveals, if we're willing to look at it, It reveals our resistance to God in all its forms, hatred, cruelty, violence, stupidity, injustice, self-absorption. Anytime we want to say to ourselves, well, actually, I'm okay. I'm a pretty good person. Anytime we say that, we need to look at the cross, right, that symbol of execution. Maybe the greatest obstacle to God's presence in our life, is the belief that we don't actually need Him. And so just like the Jews who were told to look at the bronze serpent to be healed, when we look at the cross, we see our own sin. We see what's wrong with us, what's not right, and what's not right with the world. And that, that in itself is healing. But let's go a little further here. What else do we see on the cross? Well, we see our sin swallowed up by the love and mercy of God. Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. We see Jesus taking on all the hatred, violence, selfishness, even, even the self-absorption of the disciples who only care about their own safety. He takes it all on, and He doesn't respond in kind like we do with violence and hatred. No, He responds with all this powerful love, this love that is so powerful that it just, it just swallows up, swallows up the evil that's poured out upon Him. I mean, that is God's power. This, this, This incredible love that can just swallow up hatred and evil. And so when we look upon the cross, yes, we see our sin. And it is important to see that. But we also see our sin conquered, swallowed up by the love of God. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in, believes in Him may have eternal life. Jesus is telling us that we're to look upon the cross and we are to believe. And that word believe, it means trust, it means reliance, it means putting your confidence in Him. And so when I put my trust in the God who became flesh, when I put my trust in Christ crucified, when I put my trust in Christ who reveals to me my sin, and at the same time the depth of God's love, when I look at the Son of Man lifted up like the bronze serpent in the wilderness, when that happens, something changes in me. I become open to God and open to the life that He wants to give me. The God who created all things, He recreates my heart for Him. And so Jesus says to Nicodemus, My brother, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Amen.